what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. I am one of the two brothers in tech that you'll meet during this show. The other one being handsome gentleman I'm looking at across the video camera here in Brian our safe, safe yes. distance quarantine, Brian Jackson from the other side of the country. I don't know if, that's, if that was the cue where you give me the cue to say my name. So uh, Brian yeah, yeah, Jackson. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brian Jackson. There you go. <laughs> The other brother in tech. So, uh, how you doing, Brian? I'm good, Alan. How are you? Doing okay. Doing yeah. okay. Yeah. We're still uh, in the midst of quarantine at the time of recording this. So, we are. Uh, even though we always are having to record at a distance, it's a little bit more mandated now than normal. Uh, but we're having fun. This is still some good conversations. And hopefully, if you're listening to this in the midst of whatever stay at home or what may be going on in your personal life, Hopefully some of these tech suggestions and discussions are some good, uh, good information to be sharing during this time. Um, we yeah, did do imagine, an episode, uh, uh I would imagine people are on, on a computer for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we did an episode a few weeks ago about the whole, uh, better ways to work when you're, when you're at home. So I kind of recommend going back and listen to that. If you need some ideas on, on better work strategies from home with your computer or technology. But Brian, today our topic is going to go into something very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> We're going to talk about backups and backing up your computer, backing up your files, backing up the important documents that you want to make sure you don't ever lose. So as and I'm sure Brian, you and I are heart, both... you're, you're, This sounds like you're incredibly boring if you think this is near and dear to your heart, but <laughs> this is a very important subject. Let's say that, all right? It is what it is. I, you know... I, <laughs> I like what I like. You know, I do like talking backup. So. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> so we are going to talk about backup. I think it's something, I mean, honestly, I get a lot of questions from people. I'm sure probably you do too, Brian. Just what are the best ways to backup? What services to use for backup? And we're going to talk about that in general as a topic here when we get into our main discussion for this month's worth of episodes. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But Brian, uh, if we got any feedback or any questions or anything kind of from previous episodes yeah. we may want to follow up on or uh, answer for people. Yeah. So I think this is a, this is a good time. We've been doing this for uh, a number of months now and, and several episodes and, and I've been kind of keeping track of people that I've spoken to and, and been getting some feedback. And one of the things that, uh, that I noticed Alan, and it kind of caused me to go back and listen to uh, one of our previous episodes um, was about when we were talking about going paperless and we mentioned that there were a bunch of good apps out there that we could use, um, some scanning apps, ways of scanning the, uh, the documents when we get them in the door, be able to store them away. And, you know, if you are one of the loyal listeners that actually listened to that episode, uh, you'll, you'll remember I talked about one of my issues was wanting a simple way of pulling up an app, scanning something in, storing it to a particular location and actually paying for an app to be able to do that. And listening back through that, I don't know about you, Alan, but uh, I had someone mentioning to me, they said, well, what about the the files app that's on my, uh, on my phone is built in. And I knew we mentioned that at the time, but uh, you know, that was fairly new uh, at that time. The files app really wasn't being kind of touted that much. Um, and so I've gone back and kind of re-looked at that app and decided, 
you know, to maybe kind of take a deeper dive into its uses. And I tell you, I'm really, really impressed. Um, So again, so this is the iOS, right? The, Mm -hmm. the the iOS built-in files app. And I think for a lot of people, they, they look at that and say, Oh, okay. That's my way of looking at the different files that I have on my, uh, on my phone, but you can actually go a lot deeper than that. That's, that becomes, an application where you can access many different network storage devices as well, or storage locations. So uh, I have an account through my work for Box, which is kind of like Dropbox, a different version of that. Uh, And I have a Google Drive account that I've talked about many times. Uh, I have both of those connected in through the Files app. And it is fantastic that I can go into that app immediately pull something up out of uh, either my drive or box folder. If it's a PDF, I can edit it. I can write on it. I can do that and store right away, which of course I don't have to go through one of the other apps that we've talked about earlier, Notability and Good GoodNotes and all of that. I can go ahead and, uh, and edit straight with uh, a pencil on an iPad or with my finger on the, the iPhone. But what I think was great about it, and it's not even really you know something that's uh, it's, I can say this is one of the, the the bad parts about the app is it doesn't show you right away that it can be a great scanning app too. So if you do have this files app, you pull up the, the files app and it gives you, here's your list of files, your, your folders. Maybe you have an iCloud account, maybe you have a Drive account, maybe you have a Box account. And in the very top right, there's the the three little dots in the top mm-hmm. corner. You click on that and it says, do you want to scan a document? And right away there, it becomes your camera that is automatically recognizing uh, paper and trying to see what the paper is, the the outer edges of the paper that you want to scan. You click scan and you tell it where you want to drop it, which one of your uh, which one of your locations you want to drop it. So it's maybe not quite as clean and uh, uh, kind of. Uh, let's see, not not as easy for you to go and change the settings so that it works really, really automatically like some of the other uh, uh, scanning apps. But man, I tell you, having it built in already and the ability for it to be able to scan quickly and then you tell it right away, here's where I want it to drop, whether it's in Dropbox, iCloud, um, Drive, whatever. It's a, it's a pretty slick way of doing that. So mm-hmm. I kind of feel bad thinking back about our, our paperless thinking, you know, that that probably could have handled even some of my issues at the time, which was, I want to pull something up, I want to scan right away and be able to store it uh, in a location where I can get it later. Um, I will say, yeah, yeah I will say, yeah. yeah, I will say one thing that I don't like about it, and I've been trying to figure out a way to do this, is I'd like to be able to get to that scanning feature with one click instead of three uh, so right yeah. now you open up the app, that's one click. You press on the the three dots in the top corner, that's a second click. And then you say you want to scan something and then you've got to press the button to actually scan it. I would love if you yeah. could add a shortcut to your homepage um, to say, go straight to scanning a document that becomes you know in that files app. But uh, mm. hopefully they'll get to that point. So have you used it, Alan? Have you used it much? No, Okay. No, really. And honestly, I didn't even realize, I guess I just never really understood that you could add other locations other mm-hmm. than your own iCloud drive. So Google <clears throat> Drive, the Creative Cloud, which I do have some files up in Adobe Creative Cloud, okay. uh, Dropbox and OneDrive are ones that are kind of listed for me. But I assume if I were to install a Box app, 
mm-hmm. from box.com that it would show up on my location. I think right? so. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got it showing up on mine. So I've got a box. Uh, I've got Drive. You must look at your phone to see what all services yep. are file sharing services on your phone yep. and use those to link up with your files app. I had no idea it did that. So that's awesome. That's actually got me kind of excited about what I can do with it now. Yeah. So. No, Evernote, Alan, is Evernote on there? I know that's something that you use. I don't have Evernote installed on my phone, so I don't know okay. if it can show up or not. So, okay, yeah. yeah. The only ones I see right now for me are Google Drive, iCloud Drive, Creative Cloud, Dropbox, and OneDrive, because those are the ones I know I have on my phone for sure. And then, of course, yeah, you can right. also add just a network drive, <clears throat> you know, yeah, if you have a, well. uh, a server that you want to point it to. So so I would say that, that you know, rather than paying for something, if someone just wants a very clean way of being able to store directly to Drive, directly to Dropbox, um, you know, it could be built in if you're on an iOS device. And um, so, yeah. So I thought I'd go back and kind of like update we need to go back and. I almost seems like we just need to go back and re-record that whole scanning conversation, right? Yeah, yeah, we may need to do that. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's we'll maybe that. that's round two. We'll do <laughs> we'll round two. We'll do an updated version in the future. Yes, so good. that's right. All right, great. Well, thanks for that follow-up <clears throat> and uh, feedback we got for some listeners on that. So good suggestion, something we're definitely going to check more into. Um, let's talk backup, Brian. Mm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> so when people, people, you know, I get this all the time. Uh, I think I even read a stat somewhere. There's like 54% of people out there either know someone or have themselves personally lost data yeah. relatively recently. Have you ever had a data loss, Brian? Like <clears throat> I have. On a drive? I have. Yeah. yeah. I had, uh, <clears throat> I had data loss on a, on a hard drive that just completely fried, uh, and yeah. we couldn't pull information off of it. Had a family member, um, where they had, kind of more of a local uh, issue. They had lost a lot of data in terms of uh, photos from a, a phone. I mean, sorry, from a, uh, from a, um, uh, a, uh, a small uh, card that they had in a camera. And then of course, you know, no backup, no nothing that uh, they could get yeah. access to. So it's, it's mm. really frustrating. For, for people who love technology like you and I do, I, I think data loss it's probably one of the most terrifying things I could have go through my head. I mean, <laughs> in all honesty, when we look at the technology side of things, just this idea that documents and files and photos and music, anything else you've been accumulating or working on for years, gone, just in a flash. And there's no hope of recovery in many cases. That's why backup has always been something, you know, we've tried to do in computers, but it really I think the last five, 10 years, you just hear about it so much more because so many more people are so dependent on everything they do on their computer and with photos being digitized, especially family photos. That's probably the one that I hear get, people yep. get torn up about so much more when they lose photos due to any kind of data loss. So of course, you know, that kind of lends itself to the question of why should you back up, you know? And, and I guess, again, knowing that there's a high propensity for things to go wrong, knowing that we're still talking about technology. These are pieces of equipment, these hard drives that, you know, could always go bad. They could be a, a bad batch that comes off an assembly line, could be just wear and tear every time and year. Any kind of drive or physical thing that stores your data is going to be suspect to anything that could go wrong with it. Yeah. Um, you could drop your computer. You could drop water into your computer and that could fry the the hard drive. You could just have a bad drive that came off the assembly line. You could get a virus that corrupts your drive. I mean, there's just so many things that could happen. And unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people take 
do a lot about backup until they've actually gotten bit by a data loss. Then yep. they take backup yep. very seriously. And yeah. uh, it's, it's a shame, but that's, I think that's just human nature. We don't really think about the what ifs until the actual what if happens to us. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, let me just briefly say, if anybody wonders why you and I do this show, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that you said that that is one of the biggest fears that you have in your life. I mean, not clowns, not drowning, not, mm-hmm. you know, any of the things that, you know, other people think about it's data loss. So that's exactly why we're doing this show. Uh, why that's we got nothing. Else. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're, you're exactly right. It's well, it's, to me, it's nerve-wracking. It goes back to the to the paperless episode, right? When I can't hold it in my hand, there's always a fear that I I'm not in control of it. And so, when we start talking about data, even though I say, "Yep, it's on my hard drive," I can see it right there. There's a worry that I can't touch it, and I can't hold it, and so therefore, anything could happen. And quite honestly, many things can happen. And just as you mentioned, um, so. So I think it's important for us to talk about uh, backup ways of kind of alleviating some of those fears um, and hopefully kind of protecting yourself. To me, it's like insurance, right? It's it's our way of saying that there needs to be insurance <laughs> taken out just in case um, because the the negative effects of not having that insurance one day strongly outweigh the pain it takes to prepare for it. So, um, so I think that that's an important step for us to do. And you mentioned that, you know, a lot of people contact us about how do you back up? I think what's even more maddening is talking to people that don't back up and don't think they necessarily need to back up. That to me is like where I start to say, wait a minute, (laughs) you know, maybe that's the first question that happens is anytime you talk to somebody about technology, you know, what's your backup strategy, then we can go into you know, how to do things more efficiently. So, well, and unfortunately too, I think there's a little bit of a mentality out there for people who have never gotten bitten by data loss. There are companies out there, there are services that are like recovery services that you send off your computer or your hard drive and they will work to recover any data that you might've accidentally deleted or you might've might gotten corrupted on there or lost. The problem is those things are extremely expensive mm-hmm. and they're not a hundred percent accurate or effective. And they will say so up front. They don't guarantee that they can recover everything off a drive that's gone bad. They'll do their best and they'll charge yep. you hundreds of dollars in many cases, if not more to do it, but it's never a hundred percent recovery. You'll spend a lot of money for a partial chance of getting it back. Yep. Then you've still got to work on how do you get the files they help you recover and get them back into your computer. It's, it's, Yes, if you are absolutely, you have something, a life or death document that you've lost on a, on, a, on a drive and you don't have any backup, then yes, there are some services that can try to help you, but I, I don't feel comfortable putting all my, my faith in those because uh, it's expensive and it's not foolproof. So uh, right. backup right. is your safest route to go. Yep. It is a little bit of time to get your backup strategy set up and time to invest into building it. But once you have it, and if you have a good backup strategy in place, it should be fairly self-running and you can like rest easier knowing that you've got it in place and it's working. So So Alan, maybe we would just, you know, what might be helpful for us to to kind of make sure that we're selling the importance of this is let's just take a minute and think uh, just in general, the average person, what do they have in their life that's digital? Okay. Mm -hmm. Photos. We've mentioned that almost all of that has started to transition to a digital version, Right. Uh, contacts, 
gay context or something that, you know, if you were to lose it, you would kind of be lost. How am I going to reach out to that person? How am I going to connect with them if I lost all of my contacts? Um, Documents for work, things that you need to do, bills, invoices, any of those things that we've started to store digitally. Um, You know, the... uh, uh, <clears throat> previous work that you do. So if you're a, if you're someone who's a writer, you know, you've got pretty drafts of different things that you're doing, all of that stuff that you think, well, if that really someone came in and grabbed that, how bad of, a, in, of an issue would that be? How big yeah. of a problem would that be for me? And for me, it, it really is. It's, it's photos. That's kind of one of the big things because you don't want to be that person <laughs> that has to tell your family, oh, sorry, I forgot to do that. And now we lost all of your baby pictures. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's an important one. But just, you know, just all the things that we do now in terms of work where we, you know, preach this idea of, of digital um, you know, all that stuff that's important. And you know, we got to find a way to uh, to kind of make sure we keep our hands on it. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. theoretically hands on it. So so what are the things that we should be backing up, Alan? Right. Like, what are you? Well, and that's a good good lead, segue. You just mentioned a lot of things that we should be backing up if we don't have plans in place to do it already. But I think it's important to note that, you know, if you have a computer, uh, I think there's a general temptation for people to say, well, I, I need a backup that just backs up the entire computer. I need everything on this computer backed up. That may be the case, but there are some elements of your computer that you know you may not have to spend as much time worrying about backup if there's not an easy way to do it. Applications like programs mm-hmm. that you install on your computer, uh, you don't really need to back those up necessarily. And there's a couple of reasons why it's actually maybe a good strategy not to back them up is a, um, most all applications you would need, and I'm talking like Microsoft Office, I'm talking mm-hmm. uh, Photoshop, I'm talking any other programs you use on your computer. Most all of them are ones that you can re-download from the manufacturer or if there's the Apple App Store or the Microsoft Store to re-download them. The nice thing is when you re-download and install them to, to put them back on your computer after a crash, you are getting the most up-to-date, clean copy of that application. It's kind of being installed cleanly with no old stuff installed with it. So it's actually not a bad idea to like reinstall your apps after you lose, if you lose your data and you have to go to a new computer or a new drive, reinstalling the applications you need. So that's actually one reason why you may not need to worry about backing them up because uh, it may actually be cleaner to just download new copies of those programs whenever you're ready to start them up. Right. One thing I actually found is a little bit of a kind of a, a trying to look at the positives of data loss. If I had a drive that went bad and I had to start fresh on a brand new hard drive, it's actually kind of nice to only install the applications that I find myself needing because I'm yeah. sure there's probably a lot of applications I've installed in the past that I don't ever use anymore. Taking up space on my computer, it's kind of a good way to just start fresh with new programs on your computer, whatever new drive or computer you have to move to. Um But again, I I think applications, you don't really need to worry about backing up. Now, some programs we're going to talk about or some systems throughout these episodes will automatically back up your entire computer regardless. But if you are picking and choosing and say, you know what, I just want to back up the stuff that's important to me, don't worry about backing up the applications. You can get those later. Yeah. Um, Same thing goes for your system, your whatever operating system, your Windows files, your Mac OS files. Uh, Again, normally it's like in a system folder or in a Windows folder on your Windows computer. You don't really need to back those up either because you're going to have to end up probably reinstalling your system from scratch on a new computer or a new drive anyway. 
So why waste time backing it up and energy backing it up when you're just going to have to reinstall a clean copy anyway? Um, so we really are just boiling down to the things that you mentioned already, Brian, the things that you created, the things that somebody has sent you or something that you have as a paper version, you've transferred to digital and that's now your master copy of that photos, documents, yep. videos. If you have home video files on your computer, music, that's maybe more original music and not something you can easily find again on a, a streaming service. All those things are things you should you should definitely be backing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know what's what's interesting, Alan, is that is as you're talking about this, um, this kind of relates in a way to things like hard drive space and whether or not you need a lot of hard drive space. I've had some people that have asked, like, "Hey, I'm going to get a new phone. Should I get this level, this level, this level of hard drive space? You know, the the 64 gig, 128 gigs, whatever." And it's funny that I've I've started to suggest that my actual use of space on my devices has gone down over mm -hmm. the years. You know, for a long time, it would go up, like every application would require more space. Every uh, photo that you're taking would require more space. But all, you know, in the last probably three or four years, my use of my hard drive space on my computer as well as my phone have gone way down. Um, so I actually get the lowest of each of those when I get into it. And the reason is because so much of what I'm storing is off the device and so much is getting backed up to other areas that just as you said earlier, I want it to be that if I lose my phone, if I drop my phone in the water and it's done, I want to be able to go pick up a new phone and just log in and all of a sudden be able to pull in all my settings or reset it up myself um, and not have lost anything. So I think that's kind of a nice way to think about it is the device itself, trying to get it to be more of a shell to where you're storing things other places and you're backing them up other places so that if that shell were to go away, you could replace the shell and still access all those things that you had before. So, so that's where you mentioned settings, you mentioned applications, all of that. To me, that's just part of the shell. Right. That's just part of, you know, you give me a new computer. I need to be able to log in, drag in some settings from where I stored them elsewhere and still have everything else stored offsite. And I think that's a really yeah. healthy way of going about it um, I agree. You know, to be able to have those things off. Where it gets to be tricky, as you mentioned, is photos, videos, music, those things that we tend to use on the device rather than, mm -hmm. you know, pulling them in. Um, but I think yeah. we'll have some strategies for that too. So, well, like, you know, if you shoot video on your phone of a birthday party, you know, family, and that's on your phone. And unless you have some way for it to automatically be set to back up somewhere, it's on your phone, your phone yep. dies, it's, it's gone. It's so, gone. Yep. um, again, the backing up of anything, just, again, I guess you just kind of put yourself in the headspace of thinking about the things on your computer, or on your files, if this were gone forever do I have any resource to get it back? And if I yep. don't, that's absolutely critical to make sure you back up. Um, yep. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. So Brian, they, they say a lot, there's a theory floating mm -hmm. out there about the perfect backup strategy that you should follow. Okay. 
And it may seem a little on the extreme side, but again, if you really want to absolutely make sure that your stuff is backed up, there is a kind of a theory of what you should do. It's called the three, two, one theory, yep. right? It's called three because they say that you should have in theory for the ideal backup strategy, you should have three copies of your, your data in different places. Two of those copies should be things you have local, meaning, you know, you can actually physically see where they are. They're somewhere available to you, but on different media. So when we say media, we're like, one may be on another external hard drive. Mm -hmm. One may be on another computer. One may be on another type of device. Could be on a USB drive. Could it be a USB uh, drive be if you've got a, a big one? A of DVD, exactly. DVD that you burn mm -hmm. to. Yep. Sure. Yep. And then the one stands for one of those three copies should be offsite, meaning not in your home or office or any kind of physical place where you would normally have the other copies. That's the three, two, one strategy. Three copies, two of them local on different media, meaning two different types of media and one version of your file, one of those copies being an offsite location. Offsite could be on the internet, could be an mm -hmm. online storage, could be uh, on a server somewhere else in another place. The reason that this 321 is important, this is the reason why they, they, they throw this theory out. You know, you may think, well, just making one copy, one backup of my files is fine. Well, it's probably okay for most people, but you know, you just got to think, well, what if that one copy I've got and my computer are both in the same building and something happened in that building that affected both copies simultaneously? Yeah. Yep. That's an issue. That's why they kind of push for three copies. Having two of those three copies being in local on different media means if a hard drive goes bad, you don't lose your only other copy of the files. You've got another physical copy somewhere as well. And then to have the offsite is really that protection to say, you know what, I, uh, if, if my house blew up mm -hmm. and every copy I had of my files there, there's at least one copy somewhere else I can pull from yep. and get access to. So yeah, that's the three, two, one theory. Now, yeah. Again, that's some people hear that and think that's a little overkill and, and but it is the absolute closest you can get to feeling safe <laughs> about right. your files and your backups. Right. Brian, how close is three, two, one to you? <laughs> like your uh, personal backup strategy, what numbers are we talking here? Yeah, let's see, 0.25 and <laughs> 1. 1. 1. Uh, Um Actually, I will say I'm, I'm trying to think through this. I, I will say I'm close. Um, yeah. I would say I'm probably in a 221 situation okay. where um, I, mean. I have, uh, I have two copies. I have... Uh, either a copy uh, on my computer itself, uh, and then a copy. I do have a uh, an external hard drive uh, in the house that mm -hmm. occasionally gets backed up to uh, on a regular basis, I should say. And then I I pretty much store everything, a copy of everything on the server, on some server. So Google Drive is my is one of those. Box is another one. Um, so I have a number. All my work folder, all my work files, everything I do for work is uh is located on box and yeah. so uh and then everything i do for home or you know bills and um any kind of uh pictures that we have those are actually all backed up through um through google and so mm -hmm. so i will say i mean i i get the three two one thing and you're right it actually if i had that uh fully mm -hmm. meaning that maybe i had two versions here in the house 
I think that's that's wonderful. I do think that that when that three two one came about, that was kind of before a lot of the uh, network drives or the mm-hmm. online uh, storage yeah, uh, places it, have kind of come up. That strategy for a while, yeah. So in a sense, you could almost think like if you had at the minimum, if you have something locally and something through some sort of service like Dropbox. I mean, if you put something on Dropbox, even if you went in and manually took it off and said, delete it, there's still even a backup of that initially, yeah. right? It's kind of, right. it's 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 continuing to back up its own servers. So when we say something like have something on an offsite, just in case that offsite blows up, even even a Google server, if a server farm were to blow up, doubtful yeah. that you would lose your data because it's it's replicated in many different servers. So now online or or on you know, online storage solutions, uh, shared uh, file systems like that are definitely a lot more robust than they've ever yep. been. So I think yep. there's a lot more confidence that as long as your data is up in one of those services, you're good. You just always need to be mindful again that if you trusting that every data piece of data is up on that service, and for whatever reason something happens, I mean these services are pretty robust, but that doesn't mean that they're not suspect to uh, hacking. They're not suspect to data corruption. They're not a suspect to other things that could happen, or you know, I mean, even on a smaller scale, if just uh, you get locked out of your account for whatever reason, yeah. you, yep. you lose your password, you forget your access, you're not able to get to it there's still challenges where you need to make sure that you're not just assuming, okay, well, just as long as I've got it stored in Google drive yeah, true. or whatever, I'm good. You know, mm-hmm. it's, there are some ways that could trip you up on that too. No, actually, so, let me, let me, let me chime in on that because I think I, I totally agree with you and I want to make sure I don't um, make people believe this, uh, that online is the only thing um, because you're right. Even though that information may not go away from that particular server, there's all sorts of uh, situations where, as you said, you lose a password. I'm thinking things like um, you become uh, incapacitated and your Mm -hmm. spouse needs to have access to something. Well, at least with three, there's a better chance they can find that physical media as opposed to that digital, you know, online login. Mm -hmm. Um, You may also have most of these are things you're, you're having to pay for. So what happens if you get into a place where you can't continue to pay for that service? Well, all of a sudden, right. one of those has now gone away. And uh, so, no, you're, you're exactly right. There, there is a reason for that. I will say if you're good with having online stores, that to me is kind of number one in my list mm-hmm. right now, as I want to put things on some offsite uh, server that at least I feel confident that that's not going to go away. Now, of course, yeah. having other backups here is great as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm similar. I think I'm probably a little closer to the three, two, one with my my strategy. Of course, you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, I um. So I have in my home, I have a a uh, shared drive on our network that um we'll talk about in a deep dive episode. It's kind of one of the things we're recommending as a as a good backup strategy. And it is using, it is always doing a backup of my main laptop anytime I'm at home on my home network. So it's backing up in the background every time I make changes. That's my primary backup, meaning if my computer were to go down tomorrow, that's where I would pull from and try to get reset back up. I also use an online service um, that I use like the iCloud Drive Mm -hmm. to where, and I'll talk about that when we get to our suggestions, but it is a a service Apple has on their computer 
where it'll automatically back up and sync your desktop and your documents folders to an online cloud version of those files. So I just make sure everything that's important to me is inside my documents folder. And that's what I make sure is backed up to my iCloud storage so I can access it online and get to it there as well. I do have a third option where about once a month, I have a drive, a standalone external drive that I run. I use a software tool that creates a clone copy of my drive. Just whatever the state is that day, that's it's backing up and cloning the entire drive as a backup. I only do that about once a month just because I don't, I feel like that's probably more of my extreme case need, but it is there if I needed it. So, so I guess that does give me my three copies. Two of them are somewhat local for me and one is offsite. So, so yeah, I'm doing it. So three, two, uh-huh. one. Good. Good you for you. Step up your game a little Good bit, Brian. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. I know. I like living on the edge a little bit. So you do. It's a little <laughs> dangerous to feel like that. Yeah. So Brian, when we talk about these these backup types mm. uh, types of backup, and we've mentioned a little bit of them or kind of hinted at them, there are different types of backup. I mean, if you invest in a backup piece of software or you ba- invest in a drive of some sort to do your backup, you need to understand what the differences are between the different types of backup. Uh, there's yeah. different definitions that are thrown out there, right? Um, so the t- first one I'll mention is what you consider a full backup. Okay, that's where you're saying, look, I want to take everything on my computer or I want to take this entire set of files and I want to make a pure, clean copy of everything one time to another place. So that's considered a full backup. If you only do it once in a while, if it's just something you're going to do and you just get on a schedule of saying every two weeks, I'm going to do a full backup of my computer or these files, then you're doing what's called a full backup. It's more of a manual. Uh, every every time you do it, you're making a clean new copy of those files again. Yep. You could choose to say, I'm going to delete the old backups and just keep a fresh new one every time. Some people will back it up and archive those backups so that they keep adding new backups to it. So you can actually go back in time and see other previous backups. That may be a little much, but uh, some people really are very, very careful about it that way. So that's your full backup. Yeah. All right. And so, Ellen, just to for the people that maybe still kind of aren't grasping uh, maybe mm-hmm. the positive and negatives of that. So imagine you have a file cabinet. And that file cabinet has all of your important files in it and pictures and whatever. A full backup means I'm going to go into that file cabinet, take every single document and make a copy of it and have a new file cabinet that I'm going to put in my attic as a backup of this one. Right. And then if you say, Hey, you know, listen, it's a month later, I'm going to go and recopy all of these documents again and make another file cabinet and put it in my attic. Well, what's the problem? We now have two file cabinets in the attic and three and four and five. Uh, so what you're saying is that some people will make a, make a copy, make a new copy, and then say, well, I probably don't need the old copy now because I have my newer copy. The problem of which you may not have remembered what changed between your current copy that you just made mm-hmm. and the very first one that you made. Maybe you've happened to have gotten rid of some of those pictures or documents because you hadn't backed them up earlier. So the full copy means not only are you wasting, not waste, you're using a lot of space, but also you got to be very careful about making sure that those copies do include the oldest things that may have gotten rid of that you may have gotten rid of since then. Right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's right. the old, that was the old way of doing it. I don't know about you. When I first did a backup, I yeah. literally said, here's an external drive. I'm going to drag a copy of this 
hard drive over and clone it and copy it. And that was my backup. So I knew everything that was there. So that means instead of a, you know, at the time, a, a five gig hard drive of space, I now have 10 gigs and I'm mm-hmm. going to have 15 gigs because I'm going to replicate every single thing, settings and everything. So, yeah. so that was the, that's one way of doing it. And it certainly is a good way if you have enough space and you're willing to know exactly where things are when you back them right. up. Right. Okay. Yeah. So if, we, if you, if you don't mind having a library of drives that you keep building over time and you really are intent on making sure you always have a full backup of all the files you had on certain dates. I can see this for some professional companies where you, you know, mm-hmm. accounting and legal and other legal, things where yeah. you want to absolutely make sure you've always got a full copy of everything that was on your computer at certain dates. Um, for most home users, that's overkill. That's yep. a little much. And, what and wasteful in terms of space and yeah. money, right? That's true. Yeah. Now, the other thing I'll mention kind of on that variation of a full backup is what I alluded to a little bit earlier, something I do which is a clone. So it's the idea, mm-hmm. it's the same idea. It's a full backup. The difference with a clone is I'm truly telling it to say, look, I want you to absolutely replicate exactly what my hard drive on my computer looks like. The reason I want a clone sometimes is that if my computer were to fail, if my hard drive were to die, but I still need to be up and running pretty darn quickly after that to be back where I was, a clone of your hard drive means it will actually be something that can boot it will be something mm. that you can start your computer with and it will look and feel exactly like your computer you have now. So when you hear the term clone for your backup strategy, that's what it's doing is it's saying, look, I'm going to make an absolute perfect picture replica of your hard drive on your computer so that if your hard drive were to die, you could just plug up this other drive. That's a clone of your drive and it will boot from that. And then your computer will look just like it did. Hmm. Um, which I like. I mean, to me, I, I don't want to go more than a day without access to my files in my computer system. So that's why I keep a clone around. And granted, I run that clone every month. So if I've, a lot of files have changed in between the months, yeah, I'm either not going to have them or I'll need to replicate them or pull them from other places. But at least I know my computer can be up and running and I can still be kind of, I don't have to reinstall my applications. I don't have to reinstall my system. It is a true clone of how my computer was working at that time. That's not for everybody. I don't think everybody yeah. needs that. But if you find yourself in a situation where the idea of going more than a day without your computer fully functioning the way it is now, uh, if that scares you, then a clone may be a good option to keep around just to know that you're always kind of back up and running pretty close to where you were. So, so Alan, to clarify for me. So the clone, the difference between the clone and a full backup uh, data is mm-hmm. the clone is going to include the settings and the way in which your your uh, your device has been set up, the way you have everything, everything. organized. It's going to look yeah. everything's going to look the same, as opposed to pull back in my my files and then mm-hmm. I have to reset up my computer in order to use those files. Yeah. Okay, correct. Right. Cool. So yeah. So if you imagine if your do- computer, if the hard drive on your computer just died today. I could technically take a clone on an external hard drive, a clone copy of my hard drive that I had from maybe, let's say, a week ago. I plug it up to my computer, and when I boot up my computer, most modern computers will let you boot from an external drive. It'll say, oh, I see your computer system is now over on this hard drive, so we're just going to boot from over there. And when you boot it up, I mean, we're talking the same desktop background on your computer, the same preferences. Everything looks and feels exactly the same. That's a clone. 
as yep. opposed to just saying, I want to back up all these files onto an external place. Yeah. And then I'd still have to manually load them back into my computer whenever I need them. So that's the benefits of a clone. But again, it still runs in that same issue you talked about, about hard drive space. You've got to have a drive or space exactly the size or more of your current computer. And if you want to have multiple clones laying around, you got to have multiple drives to do it. Yeah. Most of the time, a clone drive will uh, not let you keep anything else on it other than the clone itself, because it sees it as a bootable hard drive that you could actually run a computer off of. Um, so again, it's four more extreme situations, but I do think it's, it's helpful for people who just absolutely have to be up and running on their computer as quickly as possible after a data loss failure. Yeah. So, or so with my, failure, with my yeah. example earlier, this would be like actually creating a new file cabinet that has all of your files in it as a as compared to copying all of your files out of the file cabinet. So this would be like if someone came in and stole my file cabinet, I can walk into my attic, pull out the same exact file cabinet, put it underneath my desk and I'm good to go. Same color, That's the clone. same okay. finish to it, same yep. type of locks, everything. Yep. Just roll back in. The only difference is that the the files inside there are as of the time when you made that Correct. clone file cabinet. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. right. So obviously those are seem like fairly Extreme but high level way. I mean, if you can do them, great, right? If you can do full back, if you have space for full backup, if you have a big hard drive that you're able to designate, then those can be good ways. Right. What are what are some other ways, Alan? How how does well, how can I, things be I saved? Need, I think we need to talk about the main way that I think people are finding themselves backing up now, and it's actually a preferable way for most people. If that whole full backup on a regular basis and cloning of your drive just sounds like a little too much and you know what, you just really want to make sure you've got a good system in place for documents and files and photos and all those things to be backed up comfortably and safely. Incremental backup is kind of the thing now that you find most systems are moving to. This is the idea where, let me just kind of give you the theory here, Brian. Going back to your file cabinet mm -hmm. concept, you have your file cabinet. You have now created your file cabinet and you're going to make a copy of your file cabinet. Okay. So, as of today, I've made a copy of my file cabinet. I have all my same files from that file cabinet now in another, another storage area. Yep. As you go along, if tomorrow you decide to go and you attach a new file to one of the files inside your file cabinet, this kind of incremental backup, it's going to constantly look at your files and say, what's changed? And I'm only going to back up to your backup file anything that's been added or changed to your to your files. So the idea is that instead of going and making a whole new backup of all your files, it's going to say, well, I'm only going to today back up files A, B, and C because those are the only three that changed today. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm going to add them to your backup. So what you're talking about is a process where it's a lot less time intensive. It's a lot less hard drive space intensive because you're not needing to have a full uh, storage space of all your files over and over again. It's going to store your files the first time, and then it's just going to incrementally add whatever you've updated or changed or modified since the last backup. Okay, so if I have a if I have a receipts folder in my file cabinet that has receipts from a year ago, and mm -hmm. next week those same receipts are still in there, this is not going to back those up again, right? It's already yeah. got them, so it's not going to do anything with them. So the it, backup becomes faster, yeah. right? And it does. Very yeah, fast. it's not doing as much. Yep. 
what it's doing is it's doing like, like, like a little ping. It's just like looking at your files and saying, has anything changed? Oh, nothing's changed. I don't need to back up anything. Yeah. But the minute it sees one of your files has changed or you've added a new file or something, it's going to say, oh, okay, I see there's a file that's been changed. I'm going to now add that to the backup. Cool. So for example, for me, I do incremental backup uh, on one of my, my ways. And so I can actually see up in my little backup status monitor. And we'll talk about some of these systems a little bit later, but uh, I can actually see that, you know, if I had a really busy day where I was e editing a lot of big video files and I was adding a lot of documents to my computer, yeah, my backup that evening is going to be a lot longer and take up a lot more time because it's got a lot more files I created that day that it's now backing up for me. If I have a day where I'm on vacation and I didn't do anything on my computer, it's not going to back up anything that night because nothing's changed. But I always have the most current versions of files backed up on that incremental backup. Okay. Yeah. The reason yep. people like it is like you said, it's faster. Most mm -hmm. of the time, uh, it takes up, uh, the most e efficient use of your hard drive storage space for your backup. Um, and it just makes sense to people. Like I just always want to make sure my most recent copy of these files are what's being backed up. And that's all I care about. Yeah. I don't need three weeks ago's files. I need the most recent files I had on my computer all the time. Yeah. And let me also give another positive to this. You kind of alluded to it, but going back to one of our earlier episodes about internet and Wi-Fi speeds, you know, if you've got something that's continuing to do full backups, right, and you're doing it through a network, you're doing it over the over the, uh, the web or you're doing it uh, over Wi-Fi, uh, like I have a, a network drive plugged into my um, internet router. So it sits in another room and each of my computers will occasionally look up there and uh, back themselves up to uh, through Wi-Fi. Well, if I'm continuing to back up full drives, I mean, that may take a ton of bandwidth to be able to do that. So I want to limit the amount of time that it's having to actually send stuff up there. And the only way to do that is to back it up once, which takes a lot of time, and then do the incremental after that, right? So it just yeah. takes a few minutes says, oh, here's, you know, 10 new files that you've developed today. Let's back those up and uh, and goes goes forward. Alan, one thing that I wanted to clarify, because I don't even know how all of the systems handle this, but so are most systems set up to, so with my file cabinet example, if mm -hmm. I go in and take away certain files and I delete certain files out of my cabinet, I go in and decide, you know, I don't need that anymore. I'm going to shred it. Do those incremental backups look and say, oh, you don't need any more. We're going to take it off of our backup. Or does it say, we already have a copy of that. So in case you decide you made a mistake, we've still got it, which kind of yeah. means that your your backup is constantly growing, right? Well, it's never right. shrinking. So most, most default incremental backups will still keep those old files, even if you've thrown them away off your computer. It's taking like a snapshot of saying, what does your computer look like today? Yep. What does it look like tomorrow? And tomorrow you may be one file less than you were yesterday. It's still got your file from yesterday. It's just only building on it with new things that you've added or changed or modified. The difference is, is that um, the one, I don't want to say drawback, but the one thing you got to keep in mind with incremental backup is uh, if you tell it in your backup settings, whatever program you're using or system that uh, you want it to keep those snapshots of your computer all the way back in time, uh, it will eat up a lot more space over time. Yeah. You're going to need a gonna bigger continue. drive. It'll never get smaller, right? It'll just keep getting never bigger get in that case, right? A lot of the smarter incremental backup strategies will say, look, I've got, you want me to back up to this one hard drive and this one hard drive is 
500 gigabytes and my hard drive on my computer is 200 gigabytes. Okay, so that's good. I can do a full backup of your computer of 200 gigabytes. And if you keep adding new files to it, I can keep adding those new files and we'll just keep growing this and growing this. Once I hit that 500 gigabyte limit, my backwards software, if it's smart enough to do this, and most are now, it's going to say, whoop, I'm hitting the limit of this space. So I'm going to start deleting old versions of files because I have newer versions of them still around. So I'm going to delete some of those old snapshots um, to make the best use of the space I've got. Yeah. So having a good intuitive incremental backup is, is kind of important for that. Otherwise, you're having to manage it yourself. Um, but that's the way a lot of them will work is they will either make the most use of the space they've got on a drive, or you can tell them, look, just don't even, if I delete a file on my computer, it's okay for you to delete it in the backups as well. That's normally a choice you get to make on some, some dedicated backup systems. Yeah. And I assume there was also probably an option for you to say, I would like to delete this file on my computer and... I no longer need this ever again in any form whatsoever. You can go and say, so if I happen to, you know, go on my computer and find that there's some incriminating evidence of something and I say, you know what, I'm going to delete this, but of course I've been backing up. So of course I know there's, you know, a backup of it somewhere else that I can probably then make the setting to say, go and get rid of that everywhere. Right. But of course, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's a pretty extreme step to take and they don't let you do it willy nilly. Right. That you have to well, know what you're doing so that you don't I know do in, the, in the automatic strategies we're going to talk about in a little bit. And when we mentioned the different types of backup uh, solutions that are available for most people right now, uh, that when we talk about the incremental backups and some of these built in solutions, they don't do removal of deleted files from your backup. Okay. If you use a dedicated backup software, like I have one I use that does allow me to synchronize deleted files. Meaning if you delete it from your computer, I'm going to delete it from your backup. Okay. Okay. Yep. So it is something you have to manually go in and kind of work with your backups to do. Okay. Uh, yep. Okay. But there's Brian, probably going to default other... to protecting you. It's, it's defaulting. Yeah. They're all defaulting to protecting you. It's and then you have to almost tell sure it not to. You, right. Yeah. It's saying if you accidentally deleted a file off your computer and then you need to go back and get it, we want to make sure you can go back yep. and get it. Yep. Okay. So that's it. They're trying to prevent accidental deletions and the problems with that. But there may be some cases where you want to delete it. And when you want to delete it, you want to delete it from your backup too. And that's again, where you have to go into a little more customization on your yeah. backup programs. Yeah. Cool. Brian, there is one other type of definition of type of backup that honestly I've never used. And I'm trying, I'm still struggling to find out a reason why you would. It's called a differential backup. So we talked about full and we talked about incremental Differential works similar to incremental in that you do an initial full backup of your files. Then it's going to, every time it runs the backup, it's going to back up any files that have changed from that last full backup. Not from the last backup, from the last full backup. So let's say, for example, on a Sunday, I do a full backup of my computer. Monday, I create some new files. It's going to back up the files I created on Monday in addition to the full backup. If I go on Tuesday and create some new files and it runs the backup, it's going to add another backup that has the files from Tuesday and the files from Monday again. Okay. Yeah. Wednesday, it's going to create backup any of the files are created Wednesday, along with the files from Tuesday, along with the files from Monday. So it's going to keep building up this new backup of anything that's happened since your last full backup. 
So what that's doing is it is building on time and space and all that as you go along. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see there may be some reasons for that differential backup. You know, I think that may have played to some some people's uh, situations where the, the the master file backup is kind of the gospel backup. Right. And then they just want to make sure that anything they've done from that full backup stays constantly building as a backup. And then they can go and do another, another full backup at some point in the future. So. Yeah. So it almost feels like this is the, this is a way of kind of being ultra safe and that you've got a heavy backup that you're not going to touch for, let's say in your example, that next week. But it also recognizes I need to make several mini backups along the way. And I think, I, I think I read that it's just accessing files from those backups becomes faster because you're only mm-hmm. accessing it through a smaller version of the backup oh, that happened yeah, you know, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but then of course, you know, when next week comes around and you're doing another full backup, then it kind of the cycle starts all over again. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so true. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be, so, it's not something that I've done. It's not something I have necessarily seen a need to do. Uh, I know it's going to be an option on many of those backup software uh, to be able to choose what kind of backup you're doing. But uh, it seems like if you, you know, by testing kind of the level of backup that you need and then really looking through and figure out, okay, if I need to access that, how quickly can I get to it? Do How often do I need to get to it? Is this something literally I'm putting up there and saying, I don't expect to ever need this again, but just in case? Or is it something saying, I need to make sure that if my computer dies today, that I get the thing that happened yesterday or I get the thing that happened two days ago mm-hmm. and then I can access I can them that. fast. So, yeah. yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. So we've got, well, we've got full, yeah. we've got incremental and we've got differential, right? The three different Correct. types. Um, and uh, yeah. And I think we talked about full as being something you probably don't need, or maybe an extreme version. And if you do it, it may be easy to do. Um, but you also have to keep in mind space, right? I think a lot of, for a lot of people, space is a premium. And right now people have gotten to the point, they say, Oh, I don't want to buy a hard drive at home, which costs money. I'm going to buy space on the, the cloud. Well, this is also going to build up space on the cloud and you're going to pay for that space on the cloud or for most of them. So I think money is a key here. You need to be thinking how much space mm-hmm. do I have and how much space am I willing to always continue to have available so that I can be safe with my data. So, well, and I also say it also even kind of comes down to a time factor too. I think how yeah. much time do you want to spend managing your backups? Because Brian, in our deep dives, as we go forward, we are going to, this is where we're kind of putting rubber to the road here. We've talked more in theory about backups mm-hmm. and different strategies and ideas for backup. Our three deep dive episodes are going to follow this one. are going to talk about three different kind of popularized versions or ways to do backups. And uh, all of them have ways of creating a more automated routine, always happening backup strategy for you. We are going to talk about the backup solutions that you may find just built into your computer already, your computer system on Windows. I know Windows has a backup program utility that can back up your computer on a regular basis. We'll talk a little bit about that as well as Time Machine on mm-hmm. Mac. These, When you hear Windows backup and you hear Time Machine, that is the Windows and the Mac version of their automated background backup utility. But there are some things to know about them before you just turn on the switch and say, yep, do backup. There's some things you're going to need to understand. So we are going to get into Time Machine and Windows backup into our first deep dive episode and talk about how those perform, things you need to be aware of, things you need to understand before you get in too deep on those. 
Secondly, is what you've been kind of alluding to, we've been talking about is this online cloud backup strategy. You've got services like Google Drive and Dropbox that are meant for storing files, but there's also truly dedicated online backup solutions. Um, I'm thinking about Backblaze as one that I know is a very popular one. And there's one, if I'm already drawing a blank on it, um, Code42 is the company, what is the name of that? backup strategy. Anyway, it'll mm -hmm. come to me in a second, but there's some of the, several of these companies that that's a service they're now selling that you sign up with an account and you install a little applet on your computer that they give you, and it will run a backup to a cloud storage all the time in the background for you on your computer. So yeah. that's kind of a second strategy we'll talk about in a deep dive. Crash plan, and then there's, by the way, crash plan, crash plan, crash is plan, what you're that's it. Yep. crash yep. plan is the one I was thinking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one I've used before as well. And then there's a third category, which is you want to go a little more robust. There are actual hardware devices that are meant to put on your network or on your home network that are meant for backing up your computers and meaning they can run in the background, but they have some different advantages and features that you don't get with things like a time machine or Windows backup or online services. So those are going to be kind of our three deep dives to talk about yep. those different levels of background back, backup strategies and what we recommend you might be a good fit for you and your your own personal use. Cool. Yeah, yeah that, that's going to be great. Well, I think we ought to maybe wrap things up with our brothers in tech suggestions, our bits. Absolutely. Okay our, patented, our patented uh, bits. Man, that's such brothers a good in name. Tech I think I came, up, I came up with that one. Oh, you I? did. Okay. No, I'll give you All credit right. for that. Okay. It was good. Right. Um, yeah, that's you awesome. did the impressive thing of looking at words <laughs> and taking the first letter of each of those and making a new word out of it. Yes, I don't know I did. if anybody's ever done that before. No, nope, you did no. It beautifully. Listen, I have a PhD for a reason, Alan. <laughs> right? It is to try to make sense of different letters to put them yes. together. Um, you did it wonderfully. So oh, brothers man. in text suggestions. Incredibly enough, that's our bits. So, so good. very well done. So good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm so going to start. This is obviously our suggestions. This is where we both give a suggestion of a software, a tool, a feature, or anything at all that we want to recommend, especially how it relates to today's topic. So, Brian, what is your brothers in tech suggestion? Yeah. So, mine. Um, I was trying to think of different, without getting too in depth about different backup uh, software that's out there. One of the things that I use, which technically could be thought of as a backup uh, for me is Google Photos. And uh, I've talked a lot about Google Drive, how I use Google Drive to just store lots of things. And I'm not that worried about Google having all of my uh, data that I'm backing up. Well, one of the things we mentioned before with the idea of photos, photos being really important. I take a lot mm -hmm. of photographs. Um, I kind of uh, am a very, very amateur photographer. Uh, and so I like to have backups of those things. And of course, I also don't like to think about it. I don't like to think about mm -hmm. doing the backup. So one suggestion I have for people is if you're someone who is taking a lot of uh, pictures on your phone, take a lot of pictures on your iPad, um, use put on Google Photos as an app on your phone or your iPad. And what that does is you'll create an account. And of course, you have unlimited storage through Google when you have that account. Um, and what Google Photos will do is it will constantly look at your, your camera roll on your phone. And it will say, oh, you took several new pictures today. Let's go ahead and automatically back those up onto Google. So it will go and just start storing on um, on Google all of your photos. 
Um, now that's kind of an easy backup uh, way mm-hmm. to do it where you don't have to think about it. Every time I pull up Google Photos, it'll go and say, oh, you have, you know, 100 new photos on your camera roll. Let's back these up. Once it does that, it gives you a little message that says, would you like to delete the originals mm-hmm. to free up space on your phone? Which I think is fantastic, right? Because I, again, I don't like to fill up my phone. I don't like to have all my pictures and video and all of that taking up a lot of space uh, because I don't want to have to upgrade my phone uh, simply because of space issues. So I'll go probably, you know, once once a month and just delete all of my photos on my phone because I know they've been backed up to Google Photos. Now, I will say the, um, and given that it's free, you're not having to pay for it. You can go on Google Photos through a web page. Um, you can go through the app and you can go and see all those photos again. The one thing that I think is probably even uh, a better feature of this is that, and is why it's become my own, uh, my only way of accessing my photos is I'll go on Google Photos and I'll pull up and there's a search box and you can do searches for anything. And I can mm-hmm. say uh, tennis, you know, you know that I play and have coached tennis a lot. And so I have a lot of pictures about tennis and I'll click in and say tennis and enter. It'll search through all of my photos throughout the last you know 20 years that I've been storing these things and uh, show you all the pictures that it thinks are related to tennis. I could type in the word green and it will show me all the pictures that have predominantly green color in the photo. Yeah. Uh, you so can, nice. yeah, you can put in someone's name and you can be able to search for it. Now, of course you can do that with your iPhone or even with your Android phone with some of the services they have by tagging things. But I just love the fact that I can store things away. I can easily go access it. I could even type in and say, um, iPhone four, because I used to own an iPhone four and it will show me all the pictures that were taken on the iPhone four, you know, a long mm-hmm. time ago. Yeah, so nice. anyway, um, I think that's, it's a, it's a great way to, when you are worried about saving photos and that as being a backup until you create a good backup strategy, I think, uh, and honestly, it could even be a secondary strategy. It's saving yeah. things on to, to Google photos. So do realize there's always a fear that Google now has access to your photos and you got to be careful with that and kind of realize, am I okay with my kids' pictures being on Google, even though it is, I think it's fairly secure. Um, there are, of course, uh, horror stories of people that, you know, are worried about someone well, else having access to them. But I tell, I, I remind people that, uh, that, add, that mention that kind of comments like, well, I, I don't, I'm worried about security of my photos being up on Google or up on Apple or whatever. Yeah. I say, well, if you really think about it, they're probably more secure there than they are on your own home network. Uh, yeah, if your yeah. own home computer or home phone, um, I, gar- I dare say the the security level at Google or Apple or any of these places is probably a little higher than what you've got in your house yeah. <laughs> on your own good. home computer. So right. from a security standpoint, I'm actually less concerned about that. I, uh, yeah, I, I I think Google's great. I mean, I think it's yep. a good. I love what they do with photos, and I love that the automatic tagging they do and how ser- searchable it is. They do the same kind of technology they do with their email, which is where you can really go into their email and search for just certain keywords, and it's so nice and fast, and it's indexing of finding that information for you. Um, that's great, Alan. I'll give well, one is, real quick, real quick yeah, negative sure. just to make sure. If you are yeah. a doing this at a high level of photography and you're saving your photos as really, really high, uh, high-end high files, so uh, a raw raw data files, when you store those on Google, they will not take the raw version. 
they will upload a trimmed down version. So if you are a photographer and you're saying, oh, cool, I've been paying for this, you know, storage. Why don't I, why don't I just use Google? It's not going to be storing the high quality version of your photo. That could be kind of a secondary backup or for family pictures. This is perfect. So. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, it may be for a professional photographer, it may just be a good fail-safe background, yep. uh, background yep. backup to have, but it should not be your primary backup or primary storage because you do want to keep those raw files, I would imagine. So, yep. all right. All right, what do you got? Well, my, my suggestion is similar in that it's also another big company built-in solution. You know, you mentioned Google Photos. Uh, mine, I'm going to recommend uh, iCloud Drive on the Mac or iPhone or if you're a Mac user. Fortunately, this doesn't apply to you if you're a Windows user. Um, iCloud is the service that automatically comes with your Mac or, or phone where you can have some limited storage space to sync up things. So in other words, if I'm on a computer, on a Mac, and I've got a phone, iCloud is what I log into on both devices, and it will help keep some things in sync for me and kind of keep me logged into different services on both devices. But I, I took the plunge a while back and I'm actually paying, you know, several dollars a month um, to get a larger iCloud storage drive for several reasons. Um, one, I'm a heavy Mac user. I've got my Mac laptop. I've got a phone. I've got an iPad. My wife has an iPad and a phone. My son has a Mac laptop and phone. Uh, and then my other son has a iPhone in, living in the house. So we have a lot of Mac devices. And we actually are using the iCloud Drive storage um, family plan. The family plan means that basically we can all, even if we all have our own iCloud addresses and iCloud email addresses, we can all be part of a family. And by being part of a family, we can all share in that storage space I've, I've bought. So we've got like a one terabyte storage for our entire family. And you may say, well, that's a lot of storage for just what we're doing. But if we're having all of our devices are backing up to that storage plan. So I've got like nine devices that all back up to our family storage plan. Here's the other advantage with iCloud Drive and how it relates to our backup. And that, as I mentioned before, one of my key ways of backing up is everything I put in my documents folder in my computer and everything I have on my desktop, I have told iCloud Drive through the service I use to keep those two folders always backed up to iCloud, my iCloud online drive. What that means is, A, I've got confidence that everything in my documents folder is backed up all the time automatically, which is nice because that's where I keep 90% of my really important documents I work on. But also it means that from my phone or from my iPad or anywhere I may be on the web, I can actually log into my iCloud account or see my iCloud through the files app that you mentioned early on in the show. And I can see all of my documents. I can see all my files on my desktop from my phone or from my iPad. This comes in extremely handy when I'm out traveling, I'm going places and I don't want to take my laptop, but I need access to all these files. But it also doubles as obviously a backup, meaning if my hard drive were to die today, I know right away I could connect to my iCloud account everything that was in my documents folder, everything that was in my desktop folder would show back up on my new computer or on my new hard drive. So we use it for a lot of different things. It's also our photo backup. We have all of our our photo app on our phones and uh, on our computers set to automatically back up all of our photos to that iCloud storage account. Um, What else do we use it for? We back up all of our phones to it. 
So yeah, I mean, we're only using half the storage right now, but it's nice knowing that everything's up there and we can access it from anywhere. Yes, I think we are paying like eight or $9 a month to get that. If it was just for me, I probably wouldn't want to spend that much money per month on it, but knowing it's basically for four people in my family and we have all of our photos stored in this common space, we have all of our devices backed up and I have offline access to any of my files from my computer on my mobile device, I think it's a great solution for all of that. So again, it is several dollars a month, but it's, uh, it, it works. It's just, it's what I want to have happen with my devices. Yeah. And I think it's worth yeah. it for my, for my sake. So, yeah. Well, so iCloud think. drive again, I think you get a free five gigabytes yep. with your iCloud account. Uh, five gigabytes is not enough to back up my documents folder. So, um, you, you scale it up as you need it. And if you have multiple members of your family, that are going to use it or on the same network. It's absolutely worth it to get the larger storage and split that cost that way. So yeah, no, I would I would strongly uh, agree with you if you have family members and want a kind of a a really clean way of organizing all that with one location. Um, I think I told you before I use the free five gigs and but to do that I creatively had to remove my documents folder and basically rename it something else uh, stuff, right? right? So yeah. that when I'm backing up, uh, it's not backing that up because I would, I would of course, burn through my five gigs very quickly. Yeah. So I just use my desktop as my kind of quick storage uh, access. But uh, I've been very tempted to do the iCloud and, uh, and I probably will um, just as things start getting more complex with different devices, it's nice to be able to keep them all in one place. Well, it is nice knowing I've got my iPad fully backed up, my iPhone fully backed up. So if any of those were to get damaged or need to be replaced, I can do a full restore from my iCloud drive on any of those devices yeah, and just great. not worry about it. And not worry about it for my kids, not worry about it for my wife. And, you know, just, again, for me alone, it wouldn't have been worth it. I would have found a way to use the free five gigabytes and be comfortable with that. But uh, with as many devices and people involved right now, um, um, it's definitely worth the $9 a month to... Uh, have that peace of mind for us. So, all right, good great. stuff. Good stuff. So, that is our initial episode on backups. And as I mentioned before, we are going to do three follow up deep dive episodes this month where we are going to talk about those different levels and types of backup. Again, built in like uh, services like Time Machine and Windows Backup. We'll talk about online cloud services. And then we'll have a deeper dive where we talk about things like uh, network attached storage or RAID solutions or other hardware driven solutions for having a really robust backup available yeah, that's, to you. That's the deep, deep dive. Yep. Deep, deep dive. That's right. right. So with that, Brian, I know you gave some feedback at the beginning. Some people wrote in and gave us some suggestions. If anybody else had some other ideas, what, how do we recommend they do that? Yeah, please email us uh, info at the mesh.tv. I N F O at the mesh.tv. Um, and tell us, uh, tell us your strategies for backup, uh, some of the issues you may be encountering and give us some advice that we can pass on to our listeners. So, uh, we'd love to, love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely recommend that. And, uh, you know, please keep us posted. We love talking to you. I love some ideas. Again, we want this show to be a good resource for those of you that find yourself either being the family IT person or maybe you are someone in the family that has relied on an IT person a little too much in the past and you want to be a little more self-sufficient. Either way, we want to be a good like learning resource for you on how to use home technology and better your own technology life. So, so I guess we will talk to everybody next with our next deep dives about backup. Again, we're spending this whole month on backup. 
And uh, thanks for listening. We'll look forward to talking to you at the deep dive episodes. Bye-bye. What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh.